0: Have you ever wondered why veterans struggle so much getting back into civilian right? Whether or not you are a veteran, Fight by Betsy Ross is a short book series that has an emotional intense story arc to help spread awareness of those struggles veterans face coming out of the Force. Check out the series and more of the fight mission at worldwideweb.fightwithbetsyross.com. Her latest release, Fight 4, is available now. Coming to YouTube is the show Healing Hands. Healing Hands is hosted and presented by Shaniel Bostic. In this series, Shaniel will be teaching us about massage therapy and techniques and demonstrate those skills she has acquired to the audience. Click on the YouTube link in the description below to be the first to find episodes of Healing Hands. Healing Hands launches September 12th. I wanted to know because it's like, how did you do that?
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's just kind of funny and it's just one of our things, you know, we have that sense of humor. Where we, we were at GeekedCon in Shreveport, Louisiana a couple weeks ago, two weeks ago, I guess. Yeah. And we were the cosplay contest hosts. And I'm like, look, I'm going to be, this is going to be the first show that I'm at with two very large splints on my fingers. And so I'm just going to come up with fun things to um, say to people anytime they ask me what happened. Because it's just kind of our thing. We just like to have fun. And so that's what I've been doing. Um, sometimes I say I fought Chuck Norris. Sometimes I say I punched a shark. And sometimes I say I fought a bear. And, you know, it's just everybody knows I didn't. That's not what really happened, you know. But it's just it's just it, fun to have fun with, you know. It, it's just fun to make light of a situation that's not fun at all. <laughs>
0: well, 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 I just think, like, you, have the, you probably give the most amazing bird right now. Like, seriously. Oh, I, really, I know. Like, right? Well, it's and it's
1: some... funny, too, because... There's been a couple times that I've had some. I've had so many X-rays and MRIs of these things. And there's been a couple times that they've asked me to turn my hand a certain way and like stick that, move that finger. And I'm like it totally looks like in the X-ray, sh- I'm sure it looks like I am flipping them the bird. I'm like, but they asked me to do it. So.
0: <laughs> it's okay. See, that's what you gotta do like a special pet commander bird shot once. I'm life, like, hey, I'm, death, I'm
1: injured. Day. Yeah, yeah, I'm not exactly. trying
2: to. <laughs> I think I think peace symbol is a little more lot more easy for her right now than middle fingers. I don't think you can get your. No, yeah, no. The peace symbol, <laughs>
1: symbol happens on its own now.
0: <laughs> okay, so, actually, that's even better. Like the homemade peace sign. Like like, yep. like honestly, my
1: fingers speak. are perpetually in the peace sign though.
0: That, 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 that's totally you know that's totally yeah. a valid like greeting.
1: and, yeah. there's, nothing,
0: and not, there's nothing anyone can say about it either because I mean hey, I mean you broke your you broke your uh, you broke your fingers and. You know, welcome, everybody. This is episode 1001, how we chose to start it with broken fingers and given the yep. bird. This is how, like, as you see, the show is still
2: 1001.
0: Yeah, it's right. right. Unless it. I
1: can't do the OK sign right now.
2: It's <laughs> a hand symbol 1001 right there.
0: Yeah, that's right. Ooh. Very Yes, it, this is the binary one, as, as he so eloquently put it. And because this is the last month of the Twitch era. All right. It's the last month. Uh, I've been I've started I've done travel shows like I did San Diego by the way I I, it, I, I am blown away at how big San Diego Comic-Con really it's insane is. yeah it's unreal yeah yeah I was sad I didn't get to meet you guys in person there actually I, I
1: know scared. I know and I had passes to go and normally I would have tried to have made it but there was just so much before and after that that I couldn't make it happen but San Diego is unlike and we've been to New York Comic-Con we've been to a lot of the big cons ECCC San Diego is unlike anything else because it's just blocks and blocks and blocks. I mean, you don't even need to have a ticket to go into the building to experience New York con- or San Diego Comic Con because there's so much for so many blocks around the con itself. It's insane.
0: It's not. I was yeah. I was there as a professional for the first time ever. Can you believe that they made they gave they gave a professional badge? Oh, they
1: gave me one too way before I was even at this level and I'm like, are you guys sure? And
0: <laughs> you're, like, you're like, yes, and then you're like, I'm not going to argue with this.
2: I yeah, I know. I'm like, like don't hey, worry, don't, don't like, worry, like, don't be arguing with that. You get the pass, get the pass. <laughs> right. Yeah,
1: and like the thing New York, or San Diego has like a really good uh guest badge policy and so for a while when my kids were younger they used to both get in free with me because they're like under under 12 gets in free I think with a professional badge and so there was one year that I took both my kids and I'm like never again because they were just the crowds are so insane I'm like it's like Disneyland level crowds and you it's where you see a booth and you're like I want to go to that booth but I can't even make my way over there and the whole time I'm like you know, my kids are much older and teenagers now. But at the time, I'm like, oh, my God, like dude, I'm going to lose them in the crowd. And it was just nerve wracking.
0: No, I gotcha. No, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was it was a wild experience. And then, like I told you off the air, I've been working on a novel because I went to another conference afterwards and I've been busy. You two look like you've been absolutely insane.
2: Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah, this is, uh, you know, we uh, just surpassed like the hurricane that was here went right past us. So it didn't like it, it actually went parallel to us. we're like, man, we've been through going through the hurricane just personally of as life. far as like our <laughs> schedule for since July. I mean, I had uh I flew out, I had three different times I had to fly out in the span of four weeks or drive out. Um one of them going to New Orleans, uh, had to drive through a forest fire, which was probably the literal scariest thing I've ever done. And it includes having to drive through a flood one time. Um yeah, the fire would be
0: scarier than the flood. I'm not sure which one's more dangerous, but I'm uh, not the, the
2: fire for sure because you can't survive yeah. the fire.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I, I I know floods flooding depending on how high the flood is, it's underratedly dangerous. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's a little yeah. underrated. It's just water. It's like no, it it really is. No, you only
2: need, if you only need a few inches of, you only need a few inches of water for um to be able to have your car get moved off the road. And I've been, I've actually been in a car that's had that happen before, but uh, this, the fire, it was on the Mississippi, uh, Louisiana border. And uh, Andrea Molinari from scout comics, we we're both driving to a show out there and he was like 45 minutes ahead of me. He called me. He's like, Hey man, guess what? I just drove through a forest fire. You're going to come up on it here in a little bit. Yeah, and I'm like, really? He goes, yeah, dude, it was a legit forest fire. So by the time I got up there, so we're on the interstate, it's just two lanes, like divided highway. And when I got there, the grass on the one side of the road was burning all the way up to the side of the road on this side. And the trees on the inside and the median were like exploding and like rolling flames 30, 40 feet in the air. And the forestry team was there, but there were no fire trucks. And we're going like two miles an hour. And they were like having the traffic go through. They were driving down the middle lane. And I, it was like, it got really hot inside my car. And as soon as I was able to like get to a point, I'm in the car screaming. I'm just like, I should not be doing that. And finally, when I could like get out of there, I, I almost pulled off to the road once I had cleared that and just caught my breath. Cause that was scary, scary stuff.
0: Yeah, I I I don't advocate a stiff drink, but if you had one after that, after going through that, I would <laughs> not have blamed you.
2: Well, yeah. I'll tell you. Three days later, three days later, we're driving back, and when I got to that same spot on the interstate, there was still smoke in the same spot, and there was still little small fires in the exact same spot. I'm like, yeah, three they did days? not handle that well. Like, at in all. three and days, I say they that... haven't done anything with this.
1: I say that as a Californian who deals with literal fire season, and I've got three national parks around me, so fires are just a part of, of yeah. this time of year, just like hurricanes are for Florida. And I'm like, yeah, they're, they they close roads down. They should have closed that road down
0: they, way they before yeah, that. They, they really should have. Yeah, the, but
1: that, sadly, that's just a part of life for us, <laughs> driving through fires. It just happens.
0: Like yeah. Legit, like, Matt, straight up, you got to write a story about that. Like, seriously. Yeah, yeah like.
2: <laughs> It was crazy
0: i mean i i mean really they they say it like like truth is stranger than fiction and uh that my friend is an adventure i'm glad you're still here you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) i
2: I talked to a firefighter at the show that we were at on the sunday and i'm like dude let me tell you about what was going on and i'm like would you have sent anybody through that and he was like dude that's absolutely insane he's like, the whole time we were
1: on the phone at the time and i'm like they should have closed this down a while ago. I don't understand. Yeah. You can clearly tell this was a state that's not used to fires because they did not handle it.
2: It was 30, 30 not minutes later. The
1: state of, of whatever, where was it, yeah. with Georgia or?
2: <laughs> uh, Mississippi. 30 minutes later, they shut they, they shut I-10 yeah. down for like the next 12 hours Yeah, to deal with it. So, yeah.
0: You d- so there's two ways of looking at that. Yes, they should have shut that down way before you. Would you have been able to get there, though, if it hadn't... hadn't?
2: Oh, it uh, would have been a complete, absolute nightmare. I have no yeah. idea. Mm-hmm. I would have been driving through the swamps. No clue.
0: Okay, so so there's two ways of looking at this. Yeah. I... And, I, and I can say this because you, you came out of this unscathed. Yes. Right? Right? The first way is, holy shit, why the fuck didn't it close down? But the other way is, you got through just in time to do what you were supposed to do.
2: That's exactly right. I agree yep. with you on that. Yep. Yeah.
0: So... We'll just we'll we'll take the victories we can. We'll look at it that way. Yeah. Now if it makes you feel better, like up here, like like our like what we deal with for snow up here in Calgary, like it's minus forty here. Like just to give you an idea, like like the, yeah, like I that, can't that. even
1: imagine that.
0: Yeah. So sometimes our storms are really bad. There is a so this is back in my twenties. We were going to like of all things a Yu Gi Oh tournament back when Yu Gi Oh was somewhat seen.
2: Oh yeah.
0: Right. Somewhat sane as a card game. But we get to Red Deer, Alberta. Okay, so Calgary south of Red Deer was nice, like nice weather, cool cool for winter, but nice. You could literally see the snow like almost coil around the road. And then from Red Deer to Edmonton where the tournament was, legitimately speaking, it was the scariest blizzard ever. We had two gentlemen in, in, in the car that were around 400 pounds. We ended up positioning it so the weight would balance because <laughs> the cars that were on the side of the road, like the amount of them, was ridiculous that and we that's that, insane you no know, like yeah, yeah yeah yeah, like like we we think sometimes like we got this all managed. like no 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 we no. don't like the weather is still like weather is still king okay.
2: i don't yeah I don't that does not either.
1: compute for a californian uh californian a floridian <laughs> yeah, I,
2: I, I don't mind it i don't mind it if it's cold i can't stand it if it's windy windy kills me man and in Florida, you'll get a couple of weeks where you're like, it's in the twenties or thirties, but and but it's really cold. But yeah, the when it's windy, that just that just brutalizes me. I'm not ready for that.
0: So it so for, for me, it's not wind; it's cold and wet. Like there's a wet cold yeah. and there's a dry cold. Wet cold gets inside you, like it just legitimately yeah, or... gets. Into, yeah, yeah. But windy, like windy, windy, windy is tolerable because you can actually sometimes use that to your advantage. Sometimes, right? But dry. Like that's the one thing about where I'm at. It's a dry cold. Don't get me wrong. and minus once you get past minus thirty five, like like no one cares. It's it's just fucking cold. But but I mean, but it, it, yeah. It, it yeah um But it's but there is a point. There is a point with us up here that is just like the dry is way better. Whereas if you were to say like where you guys are at, okay, where Matt is for sure, that dampness. Would make it so much worse
2: yeah yes. I, I, yeah I, I it's can't weird even, i can't even compute negative 35 that doesn't even yeah. make any sense yeah,
0: yeah don't yeah don't like i like i was hoping to be out of here before but like it's going to be springtime when i'm out of here because that like once the novel's done pretty much my focus is like keep doing what i'm doing for the travel show but save up as much money as i can so that when the springtime hits uh i'm out but i'm not gonna lie to you guys the the, the the thought of being another winter here, Ugh.
1: I I can't even imagine. I can't imagine. We have to drive up. We have mountains all around us. We can. We we do have snow, but we have to drive up to go like playing it and sledding it, and then we we come back down to the desert where we're at, and then it's nice. <laughs> yeah,
0: <I laughs> and know. that's about as that
1: my fill of snow. I I couldn't imagine uh, having to deal with it every single day.
0: Yeah. It's weird, and well, it, our, our weather's weird with it too, which, which yeah, yeah. so like, I mean, like, to, to the extremes of where we're all at, like, you got hurricanes, I've never experienced that, right, and, and you're in California, so California gets everything, like, right, depending on where you are yes. in the state. Flooding, you know,
1: you... uh, mudslides, fires, earthquakes, it's pretty apocalyptic, actually, <laughs> yeah. and well, we got it, we even got a hurricane a couple weeks yeah. ago, yeah. so, there, like, nothing's off the table, we get, we, we there, there are some tornadoes, sometimes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Now that I'll say, if I did have my way, if I I, I will say it's going back to the San Diego thing real quick, if I had to live in one spot, one spot oh. space, that would be, that would be it.
1: Absolutely. It's beautiful year round. It's always like that. I love Carlsbad, which is kind of like a, a suburb of, of San Diego. Very, very, very expensive to live, but it's one of the most beautiful places in California. And it's just idyllic. It's like 70 degrees, 80 degrees year round. It's just
0: perfect. It, it is and yeah I'm, I'm going to make it work someday i'm going to make it work someday <laughs> that's that's that is a plan so oh, some yeah. way anyways yeah
1: plus really uh, good Mexican food too
0: oh absolutely so. <laughs> i lo- love it. I-, I loved it I- i'm gonna surf. I'm gonna try to take the chance to surf more next time like that was fun yeah that was super yeah. fun well you guys so you got like like i'm gonna ask it like this i I, I mean I feel like I'm, I'm sure you I'm sure you're gonna like deny this emphatically, but at this point because you do guys do so much, right you got like you, you got a system that works or it seems to me like you've developed like a machine that seems to know what it's doing right like and that because you've released uh, this is like your third project this year and like within a couple of months and the last one was only like a couple months ago if I'm not mistaken.
2: well te- technically it is, but it also may look a little more like we've done more than we really have because we released um, Heirs of a Seal with *The Perilous Prospects book two, but that was a campaign that ran last year and it dropped at the beginning of the year. Um, We did Misfits Clubhouse, Sharks, Dragons, and Little Red Wagons. Uh, That was the first Kickstarter we ran this year. Um, We've had a couple of um, stories that dropped in anthologies and we were a part of some anthology Kickstarters. So this technically is only our second campaign this year, even though we've been a part of like 5 because of the other anthologies like Cthulhu invades neverland holiday spirits 2 holiday spirits summer special um, But yeah we do have a system that works uh doesn't mean that it works as fast as we want it to we always <laughs> want things to work faster than it does than the, than it it does at the moment uh, we are always even right before we got on here we're always uh, we were talking about different ways to make our system more efficient whether it be the the titles or whether it be live show preparation um things like that we're always looking for ways to to make the process work smoother
0: no it's fair it just you you guys seem like to have your shit together and it's a compliment because that's a hard hard thing um so like much much respect because i I, i'm still trying to get my shit together and you know (laughs) it's it's hard no it's it's a lot of work like i i think a lot of people like this stuff's fun but it is an Sorry. incredible it's an incredible amount of prep and work and getting people to care and i mean i i i mean i've become fans of you guys but i mean it's been a process like i like the whole way through and that's why i'm saying like much respect to the both of you because it's it's it seems to be paying off
2: we're trying we're trying it's tough though it, it's a tough especially now the economy's tough uh, I, I think that, and, and I know stuff would agree with me on this. I feel like live shows are going through a transition right now, um, where it's very difficult for the vast majority of people like us to make the kind of money that you need to make to sustain a business at a live show. You mean show like because con,
1: conventions and stuff like that, right? Conventions, yeah, Like yeah. live streams
2: that we're on right now. Yeah, yeah. Conventions. Those things are very difficult. The economy's tough. So it makes Kickstarter's difficult. Um. So yeah, you know, I think that there's a lot of uh, transition happening right now. We have to always be looking to see if we can stay one step ahead, and it's it's a very it's very tough. It's very tough. We every day we're looking to find that way to keep that that one foot ahead of where the industry is.
0: Well, like like for me, like, I one of the things I I've I been like I've been watching and observing is like it's interesting. I, th- I think the other big change that's happening with comics too, to some degree, is the Kickstarter's itself. I'm not always sure it's even necessarily that the economy is bad. It's just, there's a lot of good books out at the same time now, right? Like, like, I, I mean, Kickstarter is a giant like machine. Like, like, okay, there's your book. Okay. Edward Davis has a book right now that's really good. Uh, Rick Offenberger has a book, has a fun little collection going on right now. And these are just people I know. And there's lots of other things happening all the time. It's almost as if, um, like like it's caught fire but now it's like as as a and again I'm not saying you're gonna walk away from Kickstarter anytime soon but it feels like one of the things that everybody's looking for now is what audience have we not found yet that we have that we can tap into
1: oh yeah yeah it's it's a tough time for Kickstarter and it's it's interesting because some of the creators that we've seen that have had very successful Kickstarters are still funding. At the end of the day but they're not getting the numbers that they used to see it's usually you know even the people that get multiple thousands of dollars are getting a little less and while the average person listening might think oh well they're still getting money no because that money is all going to produce the entertainment that they are making and um i i think it's i think it's a little bit of kickstarter fatigue I, and and that's a good thing and a bad thing i think that there's a lot of Quality books that are being put out right now by a lot of different people, which is great because we all want a lot of great, wonderful things to read. But it's also difficult for creators because we're all up against equally, you know, wonderful books and and you know, creative endeavors. And so there's only so much money to go around. And when the consumer is going to Kickstarter and they have five different things to choose from, and they can only, find, you know, they can only give their money to one or two. Mm-hmm. You, you're in a stiff competition. And it's tough.
2: Well, I think I think that uh everybody got used to pandemic era money too, where yeah. 2020 in the US we were getting, you know, pandemic um funds. There was, you know, good tax returns coming back. This past year um, was one of the first years where everybody that's been used to getting money back on tax returns were having to pay in. So the funds just are not there in 2023 the way they were before. So as Steph said, people have to be much more judicious about the way that they spend. So that's why you have to be a lot more uh, a lot more discerning about the products that you do make. Um, with the campaign that we have out there right now, I Am Keto, we had to make a decision. Do we want this to be another multi-issue um, project? Or do we want this to be something that is going to be all out there in one graphic novel? And we decided, we're like, Hey, you know what? This is a, a spinoff slash origin story from Arizona of a um, We're going to do this as one shot, even though it's going to be a graphic novel. So the issue price is a little bit higher than if you're to go out there to get a 24 page comic, but you're going to be saving a lot more money than if it was three different campaigns, three different single issues, three different sets of shipping, especially for someone like you being in Canada. You know, if you're like, hey, I want to get I Am Keto. I want a physical copy. You're only having to pay that international shipping once instead of thrice. So it makes it a lot more palatable. Um, so those are the kind of decisions that we've had to make on this campaign to really try to make sure that people can look at it and see that there is value and bang for their buck along with a really good story as far as we're concerned.
0: Yeah. And I can I'll vouch for you guys. You guys have good stories. I, I enjoyed Misfits Clubhouse a lot. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: We, are, we, we love hearing that.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. Saturday morning cartoon. That's what it reminded yeah. me of. Particularly, the, like there's a show called Recess. That was yes. the that that yeah. was that was what it felt like. It felt like that show. It's like if that was what you were going for, you guys knocked it right out of the park.
2: That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Misfits Clubhouse is exactly you know Saturday morning cartoons mixed with wreck and Ralph, Fairly Odd Parents, Gravity Falls, Ed and Eddy, Recess. You know the things that you we're used to seeing in that kind of environment absolutely
0: yeah so but i mean but you are you're expanding the hairs of isildur universe i could i like i said i've been seeing lots of lots of your uh, newsletters and stuff like that so why the origin story
2: so when we were plotting heirs of a or the perilous prospects the story arc we had a lot of characters that we considered um, to be built into the arc. I mean, we had a ton of them that we had named and this is what's going to happen with this guy. This is going to happen with that guy. But over time, and one of the things that Steph did that was really helpful when we were putting that together, I had a lot of notes, like the digital volumes of notes for this arc. And I just basically opened up the folder, so to speak, and was like, here, help, help put this thing, let's put this thing into an actual story. And one of the things that we did was we decided against utilizing a lot of the potential characters we were going to put in there because it was just going to become too much and it was going to start pulling the story off um um, into just down past it didn't need to go down and um keto was one of those characters right off the bat we agreed this guy has to be in the story uh when we did the marketing for perilous prospects one um he was not mentioned. He was like one of the big surprises in perilous prospects. One, we didn't mention him. He wasn't in the Kickstarter campaign. It wasn't anything. Cause we wanted people to be like, Holy crap. Here's this guy from feudal Japan, you know, from the far East. And now he's in this steampunk village. This is crazy. We had good reaction to keto when he came through. And we always wanted to do an origin of his. And we thought he was going to just be a few page story that was going to go into the train paperback when we got to that point. And, uh, As we started putting it together, that's exactly not what happened. Um, We were like, there is a lot more story here that could be told. Um, There's definitely a lot more than uh, if we were to, let's say this, every time the length of the story increased, it was because we felt like we'd be doing the story an injustice to not increase it. There was cool stuff that needed to be explored, characters that needed to be unveiled, um, relationships that needed to be built up so that, Hey, it's it's uh fantasy horror. We had to build it up so we could tear it down. Um, you know, is it, it yeah, so that that's why it it expanded into what it is, and now it's kind of like what Tales from Nocturnia was on a medieval side. That's what this is on the Far East side.
0: Yeah. So is this like so is this like Far East is in like mythology or is like a martial arts kung fu-esque kind of deal?
2: Um I don't know if you wanted to answer that one stuff or not. No, it's uh we say it's fictional Far East because and, and the catch for the, the tagline is if Mortal Kombat and Soul Calibur met Mad Max. Okay. Because while we don't try to be accurate to history, we want to make sure that we're not being disrespectful to cultures or history. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of research that was done to make sure that the um that we weren't doing something that was ridiculous, like. You can't set a, city, a, a, a story in New Orleans and have the Eiffel Tower be there, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, we wanted to make sure that we we're still being respectful there. Um, but just just think about the the styles that you see in Mortal Kombat or the styles of Soul Calibur and then mix it with some post apocalyptic Mad Max stuff. Um, what do you think, Steph? What do you think is uh, the the style of the story?
1: Yeah, I think that's accurate. We were trying to. It, it's a delicate line to tell when you are to um, work. We're, we're two Caucasian writers and we're writing about uh, a, a group of people who are a different ethnicity than we are. And we want to be sensitive to that. And we want to be respectful of that. At the same time, we want to tell their story. So we did do a lot of research. And it, it's it's I don't want to say it's better, but it, it it's easier in a way to to. Not say it was feudal Japan, but it's based off of feudal Japan. That way we could create our own. And we try to do that with all of our stories, really. It doesn't matter where the story takes place. Heirs Vesildur is in uh, a fictional town called Shadows Haven, that is based off of, you know, Sweden, Norway, that, that area of, of the world, but isn't set there. Um, and so the... Uh, where I am keto takes place is, is based off of feudal Japan. And we do, we did do a lot of research as far as um, language and, and customs and, and that type of thing, but we made sure to create our own world while also being respectful of, of that culture from that part of the world.
0: No, I mean, I like when you, when you write, like I, I have like, this is basically my hard and fast rule is you want it to feel like a place, you know, in some way you want it to yeah. feel as authentic as it possibly can be um right right this minute i'm writing about a dinosaur farm what would that look like right and and right right so i'm doing research i'm doing research on what that could possibly be if the human beings like had farmed treated like dinosaurs like stables like horses what would that actually look like right now it doesn't mean it's going to be completely accurate 100 because it doesn't need to because it's not the we're interested in creating connections and feelings with the audience. like okay? like the bridge of connection. And I think as far as again, I'm not saying disrespect anything that you're researching. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is not everything needs to be perfect. What, what matters is the emotion you're conveying yeah. in the story. Beyond that, um, beyond that, some of the other stuff is what I would call is nice. No one's going to care how a rice trade route works in, in in that period in time, unless that's the story, right? Right. right? No one's going to care about that, but they might care about the fact, like, okay, how they talk, the food they eat, maybe depending on the um, the age of the of the audience you're targeting, how they swear, because that's a big cultural, yeah, right. Yeah, it it, 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 I mean, so, <laughs> I love that. No, because it, it's true. it really is. <laughs> No, no, it's true. Like if you go across, like when you travel, like the like if I am speaking to somebody in different language, the very first thing I I usually ask is, okay, how do you say this and how you say this word and swearing because it does two things. It breaks the ice. You get the sheepish little grin, and they actually will tell you more often than not. But the second thing is like that's where the connections are. Like you, you people, it's where we're alike. Like you, you highlight the differences enough that okay, it's a different place. But where I think it's, I think good fiction is really, really cool is, okay, I see the differences where we're like, where does that bridge work? Does that make sense? Uh, Oh, absolutely.
2: We always say that, uh, you know, our mantra is we want to create characters you can relate to and universes you want to escape into. And when we look at the characters that are in I Am Keto, some of the main characters you start off with, Keto is actually a twin to his brother, Kenji. Uh, Kenji was born three minutes ahead of Kito, and that actually plays a big role in the story because the kingdom they live in, the Yamaran Empire, um, the firstborn in every household gets the opportunity to audition in front of the emperor uh, in their 21st year of what's called the Day of Allotment to, uh, one, to become a part of the elite guard, but also anyone who becomes a part of the elite guard, their entire household gets raised in social status. So Kito was literally three minutes away from having the opportunity to be that person but because he was he's never known anything different than being the support for his brother the trainer for his brother helping him to get to that next level we get to see the kind of uh, family relationships how how the parents um basically i don't want to say worship but how they put kenji on a pedestal because that's their meal ticket if kenji does the stuff right then they get to have their social status raised. Keito can do nothing to raise the social status, only Kenji. We get to see how their friends, Mayu and Tatsumi, also play into this circle. We get to see what happens when they get to that day of allotment. Um, so when we say relate to the characters, we're not talking about relate because you know the topography of the land that they live in. It's that, hey, you've got you know sibling is there sibling rivalry or sibling cooperation is there friend rivalry or friend cooperation uh you know is there struggles with the parents is there struggles with the other people that are in the um, the, the community so you have all those things that are playing a part and the great thing about the story is that's only one very small aspect of the story overall it's
0: it, it sounds it sounds like at least the first part of what you're describing there too I'm mean, going to ask from because both of you are accomplished performers, right? You've seen what, like this almost feels like in some ways is like Kenji was picked for fame. Like, like he, he has an opportunity to become something greater. And I, I've seen this, especially in the United States, it's notorious with football players, but it's not just football players, it's anybody with talent, that expectation of bringing everybody up to the next level. Right, I don't. I this feels like I'm not. I'm not going to ask a spoiler, but I think it's just I. I have a hunch. Um, if he doesn't make it, like, what happens to him afterwards? Right.
2: Well, I can say this. You can probably get a little more insight into that if you go over to the Kickstarter page and go look at. And we showed you the uh the 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 theme song. Yes, we did. Uh, Spiral into Madness is a lyric video. And the theme song that we created, um, I played the music stuff and I put the video together and the storyline to it, and the lyrics in that story are told from Keto's perspective um, about situations that 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 relate directly to what you're talking about right there. So it's a it's a part of the spoiler of the the lead up for the story.
0: Yeah, no, I just I, I bring I just bring this up because. Um... It sounds to me like that is like it's it feels like a natural natural theme here and what i'm actually doing right now is i'm putting the. uh, The uh, link right now into the twitch you can't see it this again, unfortunately, the downside of zoom is zoom and kickstart and then twitch do not like each other very much. If you like sibling brothers, but yeah it's, it's links up there for folks that want to check it out right now. I Am Keto is a 60-page graphic novel. You can definitely check that out. I'm going to plug it again at the end of the conversation, but it is up there right now so people can take oh. a look for themselves. And but the no, funny just... thing is
2: it's actually going to be 80 pages. Would we oh. That just shows how the story has built. When we built the Kickstarter page and got it approved, it was only at 60 pages. And since that time, it's now 80 pages.
0: Well, this sounds like it, like, because honestly, like, now, again, I'm not, not not anything you guys have done in the past, because honestly, I've enjoyed your work, but this feels like a more personal story.
2: There are, let's say this, and I think Steph would probably have a, a maybe a different opinion, maybe a similar, I'm not sure. We definitely really enjoy all the characters we've created in this story, and there have been times because of it being fantasy horror and the kind of story that it is, um, it, the the catch literally is that this is a tragic tale of an empire's ultimate demise so there's times when we're like ah, oh, it hates that we're having to do this we hate having to do this because we really like x character or x scenario and sometimes we're like do we really want to do this can we talk ourselves out of it but we know we can't because of what it is so yes we really come to really enjoy these characters and and, and wish that they had a different path in some points than they really do.
0: Okay. Yes. No, okay. No, no, nothing bad there, Ms. Steph.
1: No, I, I agree with everything that Matt said. And I think that every story that we do is personal in a different way. Mm-hmm. And with this one, Kita was a character that I really loved right kind of from the get go. And it's, it's different enough of a story to stand out amongst our other titles. And for me, that's what's important uh, because we don't want to just come across as, you know, one hit wonders where we only write steampunk or we only write medieval or fantasy or, and there are elements of fantasy in this story, obviously but there are also elements of horror and there are also elements of drama and uh, uh, friendship. and, And there's a lot of deeper undertones to it that i personally appreciate.
0: No, i like i think like honestly the best like the best characters come from pieces of ourselves. Like when, when i had like this big giant epiphany earlier this year, holy shit, i'm writing my story. Like not necessarily like in this in this like like no, the character's not me. But what i care about in the moment um is definitely there, right? And and like the novel i'm writing I mean, I'm not, I've said this in a few podcasts in the past. It deals with my fear of never falling in love, right? Never falling in love again. Right. It's there's a real element to
2: that. Never fall in love again.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Lie. Yeah, no, I, I already know better than that. I know that'll happen again at some point, but that fear is real, right? There's a real tangible fear and it informs the story I'm telling. And I'm like, okay. Like you don't fight those feelings you let them out like right because that that's that's where the real stuff like the keto sounds like i mean on the flip side for mr keto the cool the one good thing about being in his position is in one sense he's freer than all the other characters he has no expectations
2: that's exactly right that's a great a great point and and because you know it's an origin story you know Keto makes it into Heirs of a Sealed Or somehow.
0: Yeah, exactly. I
2: mean, so obviously he's still there. Um, so that that's a good thing. So you can at yeah. least you can at least take some solace that no matter what might happen, keto does make it to, yeah. to that to that story.
0: So then the challenge then for you guys was to create the right amount of tension with everybody else.
2: Yes,
1: absolutely. And this one uh has a lot of um I don't even want to say tension, but just thought devices that go amongst all the relationships between the characters, whether it be friendship or a parent, you know, parent to child or a sibling. We kind of put it all in there, which I is important to me with any story. And that was one of the things when we were developing tales from Nocturnia that I said early on, as I said, you know, we're in this medieval kingdom and we're writing all these random characters, but none of them are related to each other. And it's a very small kingdom. Like some of them, there needs to be some relational uh, situations going on, whether it's they're married or they're in a relationship or their brother and sister or father and daughter, there needs to be something because all these people can't just be living in this tiny little village and not be related to one another. And when you bring that in, you bring in a sense of drama and intrigue and um, something that everybody can relate to, whether we have good relationships with our family members or bad relationship with our family members or friends, we all can relate to that. Um, it's a lot harder to feel attachment when it's just a bunch of strangers bumping into each other. So um, we really focused on that with this story, which I really love. And it's not what you would expect because, you know, there it, it would be very easy to write a very predictable love story between certain characters. And we didn't want to go that route. But we also kind of left it open for interpretation in a way, I will say. And um, I don't feel like that, that gives anything away by saying that. Um, but it's really about friendship and the and the bonds of of family more than
2: anything else and the thing is too that Steph said to me early on it's marketed as fantasy horror and she's like you know i always want to like not give too much away i i don't have enough of that movie trailer mentality because in movie trailers they're just like we don't care what the plot of the movie is they just want to go pull whatever they possibly can out to make you want to go see the movie and this story You've got the whole other side of things. Like I don't know if you saw yesterday, we released the, uh, or did a bigger uh, exposé on the, the Dark Conquester and Soul Ripper uh, facing covers that we did. So elsewhere on the continent, you've got this group called the Dark Conquesters that are basically just marauding across the continent. And uh, they are entwined with these creatures called the Soul Rippers. And a lot of times you will watch a movie or you read something and they want you to to like to have compassion for the bad guys. I can understand why the bad guys are doing this. Sometimes bad guys just need to be evil. They just need to be sadistic. They just need to be horrible. And that is where the Mad Max element comes in. That being said, I'm going to contradict part of what I just said is that they are sadistic and they are evil and they are terrible but they are doing this for their own survival. And the reason for that is, is that the soul rippers are similar to vampires or zombies where they need to go and feed. Unfortunately, when they go and feed and they extract the souls, that's why they're the soul rippers, from human beings, they extract the entire soul. Part of that soul is what feeds them. The other part of it poisons them. The only way for them to actually survive is to get rid of that poison. And they get rid of that poison by attaching to the dark conquester. So the dark conquester then is able to remove that poison, which is a strength to the dark conquester, just kind of like how humans love chocolate, but you can't go feed chocolate to a dog or that that's poison to a dog. So these the once once you become a dark conquester, once a human becomes a dark conquester, they never go back. It's just like once a human gets turned into a vampire or a zombie you can't be un you can't be unvampired or unzombie so these guys are doing this across the continent and that's where a lot of the the mad esque stuff comes in if you see we've got a uh, cover f which is a secret cover part of the reason why that's a secret cover that'll be revealed partway through the campaign is cuz there's another character that we want to talk about but we didn't want to be talking about that character from day one on the campaign, right off the jump. Um, it's a character that, that we want to talk about once the campaign is partway through, so that everyone else gets a chance to have some, some, some press time and some air time. And then when this character comes in, yeah, I think she's going to get a little bit of a, a little bit of a intrigue from the, the masses out there.
0: She sounds like a boss. Like, like,
2: like as a video game end boss kind of thing. It, it that that could I, I think that's a possibility. I mean, we've already seen that on the on the the Yamarin Empire side. You've got Emperor Kanakatu and you've got his uh, Majutsushi, which are his magicians and conjurers, and you've got uh, Iwazu, the head of his elite guard. So we've only been showing um the regular, whatever, I don't want to say regular, but just the 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 masses of the dark conquerors and the soul rippers. And yeah, the character that's going to come up is going to have a little bit more, uh, a little bit more oomph to her um, when we reveal her, yes.
0: Okay, gotcha. Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I kind of want to talk about, like, I, I I realize, like, when you market a book, you got to make it, like, like, talk about movies. I think one of the things is, all a movie, like, when you talk about movie trailers, all a movie trailer cares about is getting your attention. And that actually, right? That's all he care, cares about. I've actually stopped watching movie trailers. Like I like 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 I only watch them if I'm curious about a movie. I avoid it every other way I can because what I have found is much like you just said. Sometimes what I get in the trailer and what I expect there and what I get in the movie are completely different. And this goes this ages myself. When I watched The Matrix, I loved how they did their trailers. Like you knew nothing, and you go in and just blew your brain, blew your mind. I realized I don't want. Do you know how hard it is to avoid a Star Wars trailer. By the way, when oh I, yeah, I, that's I, the hard I, thing
1: is it's even I, and the thing that drives me nuts is is you have if there's a streaming show you have to watch it and it comes out at midnight and you get on at eight o'clock in the morning and half of your feed is already washed. I'm like, what are you guys doing? You're watching this at two o'clock in the morning. Like, go to bed and don't post spoilers for those of us who wake up at a decent time and haven't seen the show yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, but but I mean I. Like it's like honest trailers like are rare things, so I try to like like they like they really are, and I find like with with especially today like like this is just again this is a personal uh, opinion. I think the more authentic you are with your project, the more you're going to reach people today. I think people are. T- I mean, don't get me wrong. A little pomp and circumstance is great. Like you said, your 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 mysterious character—that's a little bit of fun pomp and circumstance, but. I'm also betting that the other reason why the other reason kind of you've held her in reserve is um, you want to make sure people know what this story is really all about before you do it because you don't want to just have the pomp and circumstance and people have an expectation that one thing, and then it's something completely different. They're like, "Well, I didn't get well, this; wasn't what I paid for."
2: That's yeah. exactly right. That's exactly right. And yeah, like you said, if 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 that character was revealed right at the beginning, they would lose sight of of what's there. And if you look at the covers we've released so far, the covers have got large groups of characters where we wanted to make sure they all got their own time to shine on the covers. Uh, you got the Waterfall Warriors, where you see some of the, the characters. Um, they got their chance. You've got uh, the Majutsushi, Shi, where you got them and Okanakatu on the cover. Uh, then you've got the uh, Dark Conquesters and Silvers, where they all get covers. We just felt like there were so many characters that we wanted them just kind of like if you're playing a video game, choose your character and uh, you have your opportunity to go through and see the characters We wanted the covers to kind of do the same thing.
0: Okay, well, I, I'm, I'm looking at the comic. It looks really, really fantastic. But I, before we get into that, I, 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 I got to do a video game. So we mentioned Mortal Kombat and Soul Calibur. Which one of you two is the Mortal Kombat and Soul Calibur person here?
2: I am definitely the Soul Calibur person. Okay. Yeah,
1: me too. Actually, it's kind of funny. Um, I didn't play much of Mortal Kombat, but I have of Soul Calibur, but like later on, like when I was, you know, in my
0: 20s. Keelik was my guy.
2: Yeah. Keelik was my guy. Oh my God. He drives
1: Mortal me that. crazy. <laughs> He's one of those that I'm like, man, that is a character I do not
0: want to fight against. No, <laughs> I'm
2: more uh, into like the crazy guys like Yoshimitsu and Valdo, Yoshibitsu. but, uh, but uh, is fun.
0: He's fun. Um, my my other favorite personal favorite is I, uh, Ivy. I love yeah. her.
1: Yeah, love she's me. cool. She's cool. Dalzim is the one that every time somebody plays him, I'm like, he Dalzim because yeah. he just can do that teleporting, and it just drives me crazy. But it's it's fun.
2: My <laughs> but I'm, I'm the type it. of
1: player that you hate playing with, where I just try to back somebody into a corner and just hit them over and over. That,
0: again. That's fair. I used to be. I used to be, <laughs> No, I I look at it like this. I have here, here's the deal. If you're a button masher and you beat me, I deserve it.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that's, that's true. how
0: that's that's that, that's <laughs> no, that, that's how that's how it is. Like I i, I treat this if I know what I'm doing or know what I'm yeah, doing. You can
1: get through that, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can
0: get through that. For if sure. I can't, if I can't, I deserve to get my ass kicked. Just, that's just the way it is.
1: That's fair. Yep. I, yeah, I agree I, with that.
2: <laughs> I haven't gone in and created the characters yet, but uh all the characters from Heirs of a sealed door and some from Tales from Nocturnia yeah. are created in Soul Calibur. And um, I don't know if it was you or someone else that asked me, um about about the, the same question about Mortal Kombat. To me, the way that this is like Mortal Kombat is in the in the aura. In the aura of the fact that you've got all these you know warring forces that want to come in and battle. And, and just last night, I had somebody ask me, is there a tournament? And I'm like, no, this this does not have a tournament. It doesn't mean that the characters aren't going to have opportunities to use their advanced skills. But this is not like you're going to see a spot in the middle of this like Scott Pilgrim where you're going to have Scott come in on one side and somebody else come on the other side and ready fight. It's not like that. It's, it's the aura of, of the characters and the, the, the overarching ominousness of what's going on where there shouldn't be any ominousness going on.
0: Mortal Kombat has got the best world building of any fighting game. Like bar none. Like I, I like, like, it's not my, like, I'm a street fighter guy ultimately. And I like street fighter. I think street fighter is a great game. I think But of all of the, all the fighters, Mortal Kombat has legitimately some of the best world building I've ever seen. All the characters feel different, unique. They, they, they've, they've, um, um, what's the word? They've bought into their own, um, process. And all the characters have, like, they're all the characters have fans, have fans, they're all, and, and it's, they do such a wonderful job of, Every character feels like they have a purpose of being there. Every character feels like there's a, even though it's a tournament, it feels like they have their own personality, their own drives, their own ambitions, their own goals. And that is, that's a testament to them. Like I, as much as I love, I love the aesthetics of Soul Calibur. I don't always feel that the characters are as defined, right? That's just that, right? And that, that's a testament to Mortal Kombat. And that's more so than it is a knock to Soul Calibur. Just Mortal Kombat's had a long time to figure this out. And that's well, that's I, yeah, yeah
2: i think mortal kombat having movies and other forms of media helps too because there's other ways to develop yes. it outside of the outside of the video game
0: oh absolutely my i still think my personal favorite was the youtube show they, they actually did when they tried to revamp it a few years ago they had um uh they, they revamped it almost from the point of view of the military i thought that was such a neat idea i kind of hope they do that in some form or fashion down the road but i digress um no like like this is like like that's what it sounds like. You're, like you're like same thing like it sounds to me like in this particular case it's it's a, because again it sounds like a very personal story as much as it's about a fall of an empire it feels like a, a heart it's a personal story about uh, a family and I about a family in, in the midst of at the twilight of this empire i'm i'm going to assume it's the twilight of it for for various reasons but um based on what you've told me here, but uh, but it's, it feels to me like one of the things, like you guys really had fun putting this world together, building it, making it what it is. And I guess the I guess the other question is, because you said this earlier, it's like these characters have to have this tragedy stuff all here, so, right? But it sounds to me like if you had your way, you'd come back to this world again somehow, some way.
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. And it was funny too, because I know both of us have said it, but it's really easy to when you're talking in the early stages of of the characters in the world and what's going to happen, it's really easy to say what's going to happen to them. But then when you have to actually write it mm-hmm. and you you've known the characters a while, you're like, do we really, is this the direction we want to go? And You kind of second guess yourself because, you know, as a viewer, if you're watching this as a movie or as a reader, if you're reading the book, you're going, Oh, I don't want this to happen. Or do I, or is this cool? Or is this sad? Or is it, it's everything. It's all of it.
2: So yeah, we just, just got to, a- we just got a page of art in just yesterday and we're almost done with the book as far as the art goes. I mean, talking 80 page book and the um, the art is well into it. So it's not like we're talking about let's go fund this thing and now we'll start actually getting it drawn. Um, we just got a page of art in yesterday that is probably one of the best pages that Alessandro Ventura oh, has yeah. ever done for us. And we're like, oh, we can't wait for people to see this. But there is no way people can see this page oh, because it is so unbelievably spoiler. But you'd be like you know you bastards right off the bat oh, uh, yeah. but like if you saw that page you'd be like oh, i don't like you guys anymore uh, yeah
1: and then people would be like well we don't need to read the book anymore so we can't do that <laughs>
0: well, well, I, well okay maybe not this page but okay so i have whoa i have two random tangents to go we'll go to the first one sometimes sometimes again when you have that emotional gravitas in that in there it's like oh you bastard i need to see what happens next right and right it may not be that kind of page but there is a little yeah. bit of that i i I want to like i've come to the conclusion like i don't want to make my reader just feel one thing i want them to laugh i want them to be pissed at me i want them to feel happy for me i i it almost sounds like i want to engage with them in an abusive relationship because i want to get them to feel a a gamut of different things yes
2: yeah well if, if you don't if you don't if a reader doesn't feel for your characters if you do something good or something bad then you haven't done a very good job of building up those characters into somebody that they actually will care about. That's part of the reason why, as you see in the the Kickstarter long link, why it says 60 pages in there, um, but the book is gonna be 80 pages because we had the script developed out at the beginning. And as Alessandro would draw certain things, um, let's say he got five pages in, six pages and eight pages in, we would then go take another look at script and following and say, okay, we see how he's drawing this. We don't have this script formatted right for the way he's drawing it right now. We need to expand this out or expand that out. Or he's like, guys, this thing here that you've got me having eight panels on this page should be a six panel page and a two panel page, or this should be a two page splash. And so we're like, okay, well, if he's gonna do that, then we need to expand this out a little bit more because we wanted to make sure um, that certain aspects were developed. We've, we went back and looked at the original script. I think that a lot of those, those emotional connections you have to the characters um, aren't as developed enough. So that's what we had to do was expand it out so we had room to put those emotional developments in there. And, and, and I think the, one of the words that we haven't really said yet that is a a, a big um, draw of the story is layers. Mm-hmm. There is a lot of layers in the story, so it's not like the good guys win or the bad guys win, or this is clearly the good guys and this is clearly the bad guys. Um, there's a lot of people that might win or might lose. There's a lot of people that might, um, you know, you get to see a lot of different things take place as the story unfolds. Um, we know that keto makes his way into Heirs of Asildor. This story is going to help to def- help you to understand when you're reading Heirs of Asildor who this character is. He's very mysterious. Um, when you see when you see keto on the first page of Perilous Prospects One, he tells you that he is the sworn protector of Akanakatu, And he is wondering if Merc and Shiver are conjurers that have that have brought him into this place. So he's very concerned about why, how he's even here in the first place. That's about all you really get to know about him. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though he's been all the way through Perilous Prospects too, we just don't get to explore that. Now, once you see this, you're gonna get to see a very deep dive into him, a deep dive into what the Yamaran empire was prior to him coming through. And um, unlike Tales from Nocturnia, where Tales from Nocturne* is basically a story about what happened in in this kingdom Once their king got removed and pulled into heirs, this story is almost the opposite, right, Steph, where we're finding everything out about this kingdom prior to this person coming in and being a very integral part of what the story is prior to him becoming a part of heirs.
1: Yeah, it's that. And I mentioned this on another show that we were on is that uh, with Tales from Nocturnia, it was about the kingdom itself. And what happened after the character left uh, to go into the Ares universe, which is King Lovelorn, and so you got to know char- characters from from Nocturnia, and this is is a little bit of both, but it's also a deeper dive into Keto and his. Um, you're going to understand his motivations and his emotions and what he's been through a lot more, and it, and it makes you kind of think too. Okay, well, there's other characters and heirs who have come through these portals, and I think that I know them. I know them and how they're responding to the the things that they're going through currently, but I don't know. I vote. I know a little bit. We give we give information about the past that they've been through in, and um, but we don't do that deep dive. And so I think even with the other characters and heirs, as that story progresses, uh, people readers may look at those characters and go, okay you know, I know enough about them to know that they've been through a lot more than than what I even understand.
0: Okay. So we're going to, we're going to insert, I'm going to go back to something you guys said earlier, and then we'll wrap this bad boy up. And that's this, you mentioned this sort of like, do we want to kill him? Don't want to kill him. I have a story I'm going to share. So there is a, uh, it was the third book in the, my series for, for a publisher and about two thirds of the way through it. One of the characters literally tapped me on the shoulder and goes, you have to kill me now. Right, you have to, and it was like a big part of me was like I didn't want to do it because I, in particular, she still one was one of my favorite characters I've ever written, just total badass, but she had died. She just it was the right move in this story, and I felt something when I killed her. So if I know if I felt something, anyone that read that would 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 feel it too. So when you got to the, was there a particular? again you can't spoil i'm not asking you to give me the name but did you experience something similar in this story
2: oh for sure for sure i know i did i even
1: i think i even asked that i'm like are we sure this is the direction we wanted to go and um my rule and and i I look at at storytelling a little bit differently now uh as a film critic because um especially since the majority of the films that i review are horror and let's face it somebody almost always dies in horror. (laughs) Um, Yeah. yeah, That's a common
0: thing. Yeah.
1: Nine times out of 10. So for me, one of the things that I grade movies on is if there's going to be something traumatic that you're going to put the, the viewer through, whether it's a character death or whether it's something on screen that you see or something that that character goes through, there needs to be a reason behind it other than just gratuity. And if I feel like they're doing it just for gratuity's sake. And and there's plenty of movies. I mean, we all grew up on the classic slashers where there's, you know, uh, you know, a craze killer that's, that's um, stalking people and killing them. Um, but the, that character, whether it's, whether we agree with it or not, still has motivation. <laughs> it's just a really bad one. Yeah. So if I feel like, feel like the, the creators are just doing something just for, dramatic or silly purposes, and it doesn't fit with the rest of the movie. If the whole movie is that way, that's different. Um, So for us, it it had to make sense. And in this story, it, it makes sense. And we're not saying that there is a character death or not, but there's definitely some characters that go through some stuff. And we wanted to make sure that whatever was happening made sense and we weren't just doing it because we felt like that's the natural progression that things needed to go. Because a lot of times I think in these types of stories, people are like, well, somebody has to die, or there needs to be that dramatic, you know, slow-mo, you know, you know, uh, a big moment in the movie, you know, type of thing. And there doesn't always need to be. Um, but if it if it makes sense for, you know, character motivations further on, then it does need to happen. And we both agree that, that that's exactly what, what needed to
2: happen? Yeah, one of the big things too is that, you know, we try to stress to people, you know, dollars are tough. We talked about it earlier. Dollars are tough. Um, the competition for entertainment is is very intense right now. And if you pick up this book, uh, we can assure you that the story we're telling here, we say it's a one-shot graphic novel, even though it attaches to airs, even though you know Keto's is going to, you know, move his way into that story. This is a singular story. That doesn't mean that there's not small doors that we may leave open um, for future purposes. Um, but we can assure you that Keto's story in the Yomuran Empire uh, is complete when this book is done. Uh, we're not going to be like, oh, let's go have, you know, you know, we lied to you guys and now you now it, it's not one shot, it's 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 a two shot. Um so you can rest assured, like we said, instead of making this three separate Kickstarters with three separate. Uh, costs and shipping and all that stuff attached to it. Um, You know, it's one story. And that was interesting for us too, because we're not used to doing that. Most of our stories were like, what's going to be the cliffhanger at the end of this issue that we're then going to have to resolve the next issue. It was what are going to be the mini cliffhangers as we go through the story that are going to make people want to keep turning the page? How are we going to be able to make this a a valid, and I don't want to say satisfying, but valid conclusion for a reader to go you know what they they told us the truth this is the end of of Kido's story in in the Yammerd Empire and um you know they they did what they said now if I want to continue following Keto, I need to go over to Heirs of a Isildur and uh, see how he uh interacts in in the Heirs of a Isildur world
0: okay so I guess I well we can definitely go down a little bit of this I think the big thing about a bigger graphic novel, like I said, like you just said, it's not about cliffhangers in the same sense. Your your job is basically, can I keep my audience turning the page? Because if I can do that, right, um, it's a good book. Ending or not, it's a good book. It, like you get to the point where you're like, where's the rest of it? And even though you've told the full story, you're like, I've won. Like I've that's 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 what you go, that's what you hope for when you create something like this. But I, but I think I will, I will ask this, obviously this is, I imagine there's a two-pronged p- purpose to this, to this, not just telling a great story, but also this way, if you, to help you guys in the future, this does really well, you'll do be doing this with other characters down the road, I'm assuming as well, telling their, their story in some form or fashion, whether before or after, I mean, that's, I think that would be part of it. But the other question by name is this, even though this is keto's origin story, it sounds to me like you'd like to come back to this world again someday, so if or this this part of it someday, so it if this goes well, will there be more
2: <laughs> let's, put, let's put it this way, yeah, it's we always say never, say never because. Yeah. You never know what's going to happen right now. I mean, sure. who the heck knows? Who the heck knows? Because right now we're focused on where this is. Are there other are doors that are left open? There's doors that are left open in, in Misfits Clubhouse. You know, every good writer is going to make sure that they leave a little door open um, if they wanted to come back. But we, who the heck knows what world there would be to come back to? Because we already saying it's the tale of an empire's ultimate demise. So So will there even be a world to come back to? Who knows? You're gonna have to read the story to be able to find that out.
0: I'll be good. I'll be good. <laughs> I'll be good. Sorry, inner in, inner writer is like, um, okay, I won't I won't follow up. I promise. <laughs> we <laughs> can reveal
1: all our cards and... all at once. No, 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 no,
0: no, <laughs> no, but I mean but I mean, okay, strictly from an eco- from a purely economic basis, this model makes a lot more sense. I I I had a uh, Eddie D'Angelini as my thousandth episode. Um, I now actually have a story of, uh, uh, um, but we've talked about this. Like, I think comics is as a general rule of thumb, I think are going to go to thicker formats. as yes. on Because like, okay. I still buy singles at the comic shop. I still do. But I don't buy anywhere near what I used to mm-hmm. and I know and, and and the honest truth of the matter is when we, when it comes right down to it with a handful of exceptions, like one of the reasons I'm not buying as many singles issues is Kickstarter. Right, because it's just it's I feel like by and large this is I'm not saying there aren't good books in in comic shops that's not what I'm saying, but I feel by and large from an investment standpoint. I get more bang for my buck from Kickstarter right now than I do from the comic shop. And but even now, but but because of things like shipping, external forces, you guys are looking at this, I think long term, it's like we need to tell bigger stories. Right? Because I think we're in we're in an age, um, not to so here. I love manga, I love Japanese night novels. I see a format like that in the future for comics as well, because I think it makes the most sense creatively and financially. Am I on something or am I onto something?
2: Oh, I think you're totally onto something. I mean, comics are expensive to make. They're expensive to produce. Um, And the one of the biggest problems with comics as a medium, and I say this as a comics writer, is that it's, you have to, and, and my son actually said this to me the last time I talked to him, you have to look at the, dollars to hours of enjoyment that you get out of a form of entertainment if you look at somebody that that plays a video game they might spend 60 or 70 dollars on the game and they might play that game for hours a day for a couple of years and get something different out of it and play tournaments and you know the amount of they spent at the beginning was a lot but they got tons and tons and tons of hours of enjoyment out of it so in comics you have to make sure that the dollars aren't so high that the enjoyment they get out of it is, is, is that the, the ratio makes sense. That's why we try to do things like the lyric video, the metal music. We try to make sure that there is things like the leather work um, that tie back in wearables, socks, things, so that you might be, hey, I'm a fan of of Misfits Clubhouse, and I've got my Bruce McTuperson socks on right now. So the story is now, popped out of the pages of the book. And now you can get that additional enjoyment out of it. We always are looking for ways to maximize that dollar spent to time enjoying the IP. That's one of the big things that we do with every project that we put out there.
0: I want a harris virus video game. Not going to lie.
2: Um, we want one of those too. <laughs> Believe me, that's something yeah. that so- since the very beginning. Absolutely. We want one too.
0: No, I just, and- I just, I, I, I'm just saying like, honest to god i'm not gonna lie that 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 world in particular would work fantastic as an rpg just
2: the the first the first chapter of the crossroads conundrum i could i could replay that chapter in every medium that is out there because i think that just the setup for it and the what is this guy and and what is going on, and then finding out how, like, as the onion peels back all the different layers to that, I could do that in any medium possible. So if you're a video game developer out there, come and talk to us.
0: Yeah, that's right. Triple A, Triple A Studios in particular. We want you. we want to. Uh, I said this last time, I meant it. I, I, I had too many, I still have too many comic books to get rid of, and I have a few other things left to take care of here, but I am, eventually we'll head on the road. I'll see you guys at a show at some point next year. Absolutely,
1: it's going to yeah. happen, and we can't wait.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> looking, looking for that. Um, my best to your
2: fingers.
1: Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's hope it's not. I mean, it's been five weeks, and it sounds like it's going to be another
2: few months. Probably. What about what about the other eighteen fingers that are working between me and stuff? Well, don't don't leave those guys. Diving is
1: very interesting. You know, as a writer, it's funny yeah. because as a runner, I don't want to injure my ankle because I can still run like this. Thankfully. Um, as long as they're mobilized and I don't, you know, trip and fall again and hurt them again. Um, but as a writer, you need all your hands. And so typing with like three fingers on this hand, it's like chicken. It's like hen pecking again, like what you did as a kid when you're learning how to type. And I'm like, this is making me nuts because I'm a pretty fast typer. That's one thing that I have to say is I can go really, really quick. And oh, my God, it's driving me crazy because it's like
0: this means, is so uh, slow
1: uh, and there's meant, so many uh, typos. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm between i'm between 70 and 80 words a minute if my yeah i'm
1: i i think the last I, I i can't remember but it was really high up the last time i took a typing test that's just something that i perfected back in my admin assistant days and even like texting and stuff like that there's just so many typos and thankfully matt is able to decipher most of my typos so i don't have to worry about fixing them because he's like i, fe- I got I the fe- gist to-
2: of what you're trying to say yeah i better tell her because every time she'd like type a word and then she'd like type it again and it was still bad it's oh my god it. and they'll yeah. be like three or four times where i'm like stop don't worry about doing that if, if, I'm like, if I'm i don't understand it, it i'll let you know otherwise i, I get the gist it's all yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, save yeah, yourself yeah. the frustration
0: yeah okay so like this is just honestly i got i had a weird sickness a few years back i couldn't actually be anywhere near a computer for a while It just for whatever reason made it worse so i ended up going back to freehand Right, I've actually I, and I still do it with longer projects, not my what I'm currently working on because I'm on a really fast deadline, so I don't have time to go all that. but i I, I still freehand all my novels. I actually I, find you st- know what
1: I, I, I'm old school in that way too, and I remember I looked back and I felt like I still have notebooks of notes that mm-hmm. I took for my very first stories that were ever in my head when I decided I kind of wanted to write comics. Um, so we're talking like five, six years ago. And I have notebooks of just stuff I've freehanded. I'm like, why did I do that? I could have just typed it up in Google Docs or something, but there's something really, I don't know. It just makes you feel like a writer because that's what writers yeah, do, yeah, but, but, but writing so, notebooks.
0: But it's not like that. It's a different part of the brain. So actually what I ended, yes. what ended, what ended up happening is when I went to type it, I would kind of do a half edit because you can't, let's be honest, I can't mm-hmm. edit my own shit to save my life. And I already know this. So but you do get a chance to kind of refine your idea and you're coming at it from two different parts of your brain. Generally speaking, I found it's made my work stronger, ish, 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 Yeah, you know, uh, but I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I, I just wondered if you because of your, because yeah, I, I, I dread, I would dread typing with the way your fingers are. Oh right my now. God, yeah, it I is. Would...
1: I mean, it's just, I've learned how to do a lot of things. Like I was running with a friend the other day and my, um, I had to tie my shoe and she's like, how did you do that so quick? And I'm like, you learn, you, you learn how to do stuff with, you know, the appendages that you have left. And so there's some things I've become really adept at with, you know, missing like the two main fingers that you need. And it's funny too, because I'm right-handed and I injured my left hand. So a lot of people are like, oh, you know, at least you still have your right hand. Yeah, but you don't realize how much you need your helper hand until it's injured there's so many things that you do with your right hand but then your left hand like cooking and doing dishes and cleaning and all of those types of things that or driving that <laughs> that make it so difficult and it's just yeah it, it, you you learn how much you you take for granted the use of, of fingers that you really do
2: one of my worst mistakes i ever made in my life i broke my right arm badly when i was in second grade and i had to Learn how to write and do everything with my left hand, and I actually was able to do that when I was in second grade. I could write with my left hand, and as soon as the cast came back off, I stopped doing everything with my left That's hand and back exactly, to my right hand. And I'm like, yep. I should have just kept on, so I could be ambidextrous. That's now.
1: A, exactly what happened to my son. He broke his he broke his wrist really bad in first grade, and it was his right wrist. And, um, so he learned to do everything with his left hand and we're like, he's going to be ambidextrous. And he was right. No. writing was looking really good with his left hand. Cause it was weeks and weeks and weeks. And then it was the same thing. And it was like, it was all lost. And he's now he's just, I mean, he was eating with his left hand and everything. And so we're like, wow, he's going to be like multi, you know, ambidextrous and everything. And nope, nope. As soon as the cast was off, he went back to straight right-handed. So.
0: D- d- discipline folks. It's, 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 a real, real key. Um, yeah. so Matt and Steph, um, thanks for coming back. Like yeah, man,
2: always. This is yeah. always
1: a show that we enjoy coming on. We love the questions that you ask. You you try to do a deep dive and ask very thoughtful intellectual questions, and we always appreciate that.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. You make me I, smart, I love the fact
2: I, you ask a whole bunch of questions that you knew we weren't gonna answer.
0: It, yeah, yeah because, because 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 that's that's the fun. It's it, is, it is. I it's agree. how you should, it's how you should think, and also yes. um, but also. Like this is also like for me, it's as much a learning experience for me too. Um, as creatives, you guys are great, but yeah, but where a lot of people, a lot of people will under- may underestimate you guys, and I don't because I, like, one day, Miss Steph, I definitely want to do a deep dive of everything you've done because I, my, both of you have an impressive um, back resume, but I feel like I've done more with Matt than I have done with you, and at some point, I would love to do it, but you two are also incredibly intelligent business people. And it's, it, and um, I, it's always interesting because when I'm looking at someone like you guys did are I would by by most people's metrics are very successful. The drive you guys have to seek for more, but also just whether you realize it or not, a lot of people are listening to this or watching this. There's a lot of insights mm-hmm. on how they're approaching the business today too. And you can learn a lot from, any of my guests, but these two are, are among the smarter ones. So, I mean,
1: thank you. We appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Well, so
2: if, I can tell you, if there's one thing to tell the people that are listening is that always be analyzing what you're doing business wise, because what you think works the very next time you go to try to employ that is probably going to need a tweak. Yeah. And we've had a few times recently where we thought what we were going to do was work. And it absolutely just didn't work. I'll tell you something funny, Josh, that I think you'll get a kick out of. Mm-hmm. Something down to how you get your stuff to a show. We oh, yeah. flew out to GeekedCon in Shreveport, Louisiana. I came from Florida. Steph came from California. And one of my carry-on bags, the handle is broken on it now. That carry-on bag on the way back had to have a short box of comics in it just to get it back to Florida. So think about this now having to go through the Dallas airport.
0: Oh God. With a
2: carry-on bag in the airport where you cannot roll the thing because you the handle doesn't work. So it's too close to the ground. So we were like we we can't travel like this anymore. We've got to make sure we have the right the right (laughs) way. If you want to not do local shows, you got to make sure you have the right apparatuses, apparati to get things from point A to point B. So even down to that level. What When you think you've got something figured out, something's going to come along and slap you in the face and be like, you need to keep on working at it.
1: And I think we took it for granted a little bit because out of the two, I'm by far the more experienced flyer. I'm usually the one flying to the shows in Florida almost always. And so I've gotten my flying for just myself as an individual down to a science. But all of our business stuff stays with Matt in Florida for a lot of reasons, but mostly because most of the shows that we're doing are in Florida or the Southeast region. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sense. So, um, so it's really easy for me to fly and it, I, I've got a down pat now cause I do it every, so often. And, uh, normally, you know, so we're still kind of learning, like Matt said, how to fly with our, our merchandise, uh, with the few times that we do it when we we're not driving. And normally that would be something where, uh, something like that where Matt is six, three. And so a broken handle on a carry on bag, he can't like bend over like halfway and like roll the thing. So normally that'd be something I could help out with, but I was needing his help <laughs> because I could barely travel with one hand, <laughs> and yeah. so it was just a mess. It was a mess, but we managed. <laughs>
0: I mean, actually, not just brought up Dallas. It makes me sad because me and Steph were actually in Dallas Airport oh, at the same same time and didn't well, realize it. That- and-
1: What's funny about that is Matt had texted me and it was like this weird thing that day where I was having like zero reception on my phone for whatever reason. I think it was the middle of summer and everybody was traveling and so the just the Wi-Fi signal was just killed. And um, you were coming in from, from or you were going to San Diego, I think.
0: Yes, yes. And
1: Matt had texted me and he's like, he's like, Josh is there? And I had gotten delayed and my gate changed and the gate that I was at was right next to one that was. Going to San Diego, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm literally right next to Josh right now. But it was just another flight to San Diego. I was bummed because I thought that we were going to like meet up. We
0: moved, we moved, th- <laughs> we moved three times that day. Like, oh my I, god, I, I, so I, did no, I. No, no, it no. Yeah, we, we
1: insane.
0: Yeah, no, no, it was it was nuts because um we literally were on the plane and they found a malfunction right before yeah. takeoff. Us too. Right then, we come back. They move us three different times. I was going to be I was going to be at the like so I ended up because it was a last minute thing I ended up in a bungalow in Pacific Beach I missed my like I, one of my only free days to actually go to the plane. I know
1: see and the same thing happened to me exact same thing happened to me uh flying in because I was flying back home that day but <laughs> um flying in that we got on the plane we sat on the tarmac and they had a the, an, an issue that they couldn't fix and so they sent us all back and they fortunately found us another flight but before that, the gate had changed like two, three times. And there was one time when I was in line. I'm like, in your Dallas airport, UK, you have to take the Skylink. I'm like, I've been on this thing so many times going back and forth, back and forth.
0: It was yeah. twice. It was twice. And the third time, I, the third time, I actually just walked through the air. I was like, fuck it. You know yeah, what? you I've, can I've,
1: a lot of times too. Because yeah, they yeah, say, yeah. you know, you have to take that. And I'm like, I can walk this probably faster than it would be to wait for the tram.
0: Well, but yeah, because it
1: was the same thing. I don't know what was going on that weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah no that makes me sad uh, the yeah. next next time next time next time, next time. Was, we
1: were we were within like you know we were in the same building as each other and we just were yeah it didn't you but i was i really did think up. that our gates were next to each other because i'm like you this are, is san diego it has to be josh but no there was like five other flights in san diego we were the day.
0: only we were the first flight of san diego to go that day all the san diego okay. flights were screwed so i don't know what happened there. but anyways <laughs> airplane stories travel stories from people that have traveled. Um, yeah. You guys are great. I wish you the best of yeah. luck with your campaign. Um, I, I'm half tempted to back this, but I'm also in a weird, I'm kind of in a weird spot. But I, no,
2: I don't want to hear this half <laughs> tempted. I want to hear this full tempted. Full <laughs> tempted. You want this because we will tell you right now, this is the kind of story that you were going to back this. You're going to get, you're going to be like, you're going to read it and you're going to be like, I hate Matt and stuff, but you know what? I actually feel like this is money well spent. That's one of the things we made sure you were not okay. going to get this and go, I feel like I got gypped why did I buy this thing? Why did I waste my money on this thing? Even if you get a digital version of it, which is very inexpensive in comparison, if this was three campaigns, um, this is definitely the kind of thing that we think you as a writer are going to want to are going to want to sink your teeth into. We would say that to anybody. We would say that to anybody out there, we yes. believe in this story. We believe in this product. We believe in what we've created. And we believe in the way that we've had to tear it down, um, but also but the way that we've connected reasonable. it back to air. So we think this is something that is, is going to be up your alley and you're really going to enjoy.
0: It. Actually, I, I, I'm going to give you guys a compliment, at least at least now. I'm not going to cry about the shit. I'm, I'm going to cry a little bit about the shipping. But, uh, but for a graphic novel, that is an incredibly reasonable price. Um, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. Um, so, folks, it's 20 bucks. Like that, for what they're giving you, that is a fantastic, not including shipping, but even with plus shipping, it is a very reasonable, reasonable, reasonable price. Uh, and right for- now,
2: everybody's getting a sticker, if you're a physical backer, on the first 50. But then also, we have some of these left over. I'll show you on the screen right now. We did a con-exclusive card for Spookala. Um, only 250 hand-numbered cards were made uh, in June. We had a little bit of them left over. And so until we run out, you're going to get one of the Dark Conquest or Spook Hala exclusive cards as well. So not only do you get the graphic novel, but you've got a couple of things that are coming your way. And as we get to that minimum funding level, you know what we always do. We like to be able to give back to people. We have a lot of other cool items that we want to give away. We have uh, cool items to add. We have unlocked tiers, unlocked items, tons of stuff that are to add to the value of that that you just spoke about.
0: Hold on a second here. I'm just uh I'm, I'm seeing here here i've just i'm pinning this um i just pinned i've just essentially pinned your, your kickstarter link so for everybody watching everybody listening, check out the link if you're if you're watching this click the link honestly there's some really good i i won't be evil and ask what's your favorite cover because i i don't want i don't want you guys to get beaten down by your artist but, yeah <laughs> uh, well, but um there's some really good covers there is there anywhere else you want people to go to before we wrap this bad boy up, or just the Kickstarter? is What you care about today?
2: Well, honestly, I think that the right thing, the right place to go is the Kickstarter because if you want to find out more about us, mm-hmm. you can get to us from there. Uh, the link to the to Spiral Into Madness, the uh, I Am Keto theme song lyric video is right there on the campaign page as well. Um, if you're listening. The easiest way to get there is to go to tinyurl.com forward slash I am Keto. That is I-A-M-Q-I-D-O. That's how his name is spelled, Q-I-D-O. Um, if you really want to just say like, no, I, I want to go find other links, go to Linktree, go to Linktree.com forward slash In Symmetry creations, And that's got all of our links, um, all of our social medias, um, different places where we have our other music, band camp, um and all that everything is there oh you got to also get a link to all the uh the movie reviews and horror and geek life articles that steph has written she's got over 80 bylines to her name right now to her credit on sites like fangoria Horror geek life horror buzz daily dead um what did i leave out i left out one of them it's creepy kingdom creepy holy crap kingdom. and creepy kingdom yeah that would have been a bad one to leave out um but yeah that's where that's where you go to go to linktree.com forward slash in creations or the kickstarter you won't Regret it.
0: I think that's a good place to stop, ladies and gentlemen. That will do it for this episode of just Joshing. I will be back next week. Uh, this is my last month on the Twitch era. So this is there's my guests are just some of the people I've always like I kinda want I've always wanted to have on the show, or people like person like personal favorites like Matt and Steph right here. Um that will do it for this episode. Thank you for watching. I'll be back Tuesday um stay for everybody watching everybody listening thank you for watching thank you for listening stay inspired keep shining in the dark and i'll see you guys next time
1: thank
0: you just joshing is turning 1000 and what is next in store for the show the truth is it's already happening I've been recording shows since the start of the year in preparation for me going on the road. You can watch and listen to them now. They are available on my Patreon channel for the price of $5 US. Not only will you get to see these shows months in advance, but you can also help me when I take this show on the road. Click on the Patreon link for more details.
2: Josh. Josh.